Okay, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we give thanks for who you are. Thank you for your sweet presence, Lord. Lord, even as the word will be shared, Lord, renew our minds. Lord. Let us encounter the Christ from the Gospels. Lord. Open our eyes to see you in your glory. Mark us with the glory of God. Lord. You are not just all-powerful. You are not just sovereign. You are not just almighty, but you are such a personal king to all of us. And everyone say, Amen. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5? And today we will go through about 20 verses together. Um, I think growing up, I always believed that God responds only to bold and strong faith. We always talk about coming boldly to the throne of God. But today I'm going to share with you from Mark chapter 5 and slowly walk with you through a familiar story and discover with you that the Christ that we serve, the Christ that we know and we worship, is not just all-powerful, He's not just almighty, but He's also a personal king. Yes, He's drawn to those who come boldly to His throne, yet He's also close to the weak and the vulnerable. And we will also discover that even though Jesus was so focused on his task on earth, he was laser focused, yet interruptions ordained by the Father do not face Jesus and they should never face us. Amen? So today we will focus on Mark chapter 5, verses 22 to 43. There are scriptures in the slides, but I want to encourage you to open your Bibles and go through uh, with them with me verse by verse. And we'll talk about two vastly different yet desperate people and how they each as individuals approach Jesus. If you, make, if you read Mark as a whole, you will realise that in Mark's gospel, he has a lot of miracles of Jesus scattered throughout the entire book. And in Mark's case, each of those miracles is tied thematically to what Jesus is saying, to what Jesus is preaching about at that very time, at that very season. And Mark used different writing techniques to present his account in the life of Jesus. And one of those techniques has become known as the Markan sandwich. Not the Makan sandwich, okay. Um, someone came for the service yesterday and uh, Insta messaged me at 2am, said, I'm thinking of your message and I found a joke for you to share the, the next day. Tell them it's not Makan sandwich, but Makan sandwich. I'm like, if you, you can wake up at 2am to tell me this, I will just share with you. Lah. <laughs> and this is the technique whereby Mark interrupts a story with what appears to be an unrelated story. And here in Mark chapter 5, verses 22 onwards, we have a good example of a Markan sandwich. So he begins a story and then the story is interrupted by something and then you get the rest of the story. So you have a slice, then you have something in the middle and then you have the other slice. As in the case of a sandwich, you sometimes describe what the sandwich is by what's in the middle. So a ham sandwich is not defined by the bread, nor by the lettuce, nor the tomato, but by the ham in the middle. Likewise, in some ways, this account of this double healing is really defined by what's in the middle. Namely, the healing of the woman with this hemorrhage for 12 years. And right in the middle of the middle is Jesus' question to the crowd, who touched me? All right, but we will start from the beginning, from verse 22. And it says, Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And right away, we are introduced to Jairus, the ruler of a synagogue. And these rulers were known for their principles and their piety. Often, they were quite influential in the community. They were widely respected. Yet, these men approached Jesus without much fanfare, without much 
home because he's desperate. And what's the reason? Scripture reveals because his 12-year-old daughter was dying and he displayed incredible humility. Take note of the language that is used. It's not just she might die, but she is about to die. She is going to die. And here's the situation. This girl is not just at A&E. She's not just at ICU, but she's at the end of hospice care, okay? And the reality is she's going to die unless Jesus comes. And Jesus says, yes, I'll go. And here you see the compassion that's always connected to the power of God. And you can imagine the relief of Jairus, like, thank God, finally. So Jesus and Jairus and the disciples are rushing to his home. They are followed by a crowd because the crowd just wants to see another miracle. And therefore, the crowd is pressing in, pressing unto Jesus. And right here at this moment, another character is introduced. A random character suddenly pops up. It's the woman with the issue of blood. And we can read from verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had, had suffered much under many physicians, had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Let me just talk a little bit about this woman with 12 years of bleeding issues. And that's a very polite way of saying an uncontrollable menstrual flow. And we can read that she discreetly crept up to Jesus and touched him. And that's very different from Jairus. Because here it's a father who's openly begging for help. But here she is hiding. Why would she do that? Because her specific ailment meant that not only was she sick, but even more so, she was ceremonially unclean, which meant that no one would touch her. She wasn't allowed in public worship. And can you imagine, for 12 years, no one has ever touched her. No one laid hands on her. No one hugged her. And scripture says that she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. But instead of getting better, she grew worse. And her whole story is set in contrast to Jairus. I want to reiterate the differences between Jairus and this woman again. Because Jairus has a daughter who is 12 years old and sick. And this woman has been sick for 12 years. Can you picture this? on the very same day 12 years ago that this girl was born, that's when the other woman's entire world unraveled. That's when her disease started. And, when 12, and for 12 years, this daughter brought nothing but joy to Jairus. But for 12 years, this disease brought nothing but torment and suffering and pain and anguish to this woman. And here is one man leading the synagogue. And here is the other being excommunicated from the synagogue. His is the household name. Hers is a name that even today, we still don't know what is her name. And watch how Jesus in his mercy and power and grace intervened in both cases. And she violated the acceptable boundaries of a tradition. And she went into the crowd. She touched Jesus in the midst of the crowd. And all of a sudden, Jesus experienced something. And we all know this story, right? But please bear with me. In verse 30, it says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And this is the first time the word dynamis is used in the book of Mark. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And notice the passive nature of how this is stated. It doesn't say Jesus sent out his power, but power went out. It is presented as if he is not even in control of it, which leads me to a theological question. Is God not sovereign over the outpouring of his power? Blasphemous question, right? Of course he is. It's presented this way because Mark is trying to teach us something about the faithfulness of our king. 
he responds to faith so faithfully that it might as well as be a reflex. Amen? Due to her touch, his power automatically leaked out. How amazing is that? And listen to this, that his power is personal. He's not this impersonal, powerful machine, unconscious of what's going on. Because whenever power goes through him and out of him into another person, he feels the flow. He experienced the power flow that created this, body, uh, this woman's body totally anew. He experienced the power which entered this woman and transformed her entire organ system. So he stops halfway and he, he began to think, I need to find out who received that healing. And he begins to look for the lady. By then, his disciples are confused and almost irritated. Okay? If you understand the context, it's the only way to explain how perplexed and how deeply sarcastic his disciples are being in verse 31. Because in verse 31, his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And here's what's going on. The disciples were excited. Jesus has agreed to go save the life of a little girl of a prominent family. And this looks good for their ministry portfolio, right? Because the Jewish religious leaders had always been antagonistic towards Jesus. They hated Jesus. And now this man humbled himself, went down on his knees and begged for help. This makes for very good PR, right? A 12-year-old girl was dying. This is the perfect time to rush and do some ministry. But suddenly Jesus says, stops. He looks over in the crowd and he says, someone touched me. I want to find this person and I want to have an extended conversation with this person. And the disciples couldn't believe it. Of course, somebody touched you. Lah. You got to see what's going on and on. What are you talking about? And you have to think of Jairus. Imagine the nausea and the pain of this poor father at this time. Can you try to put yourself in his shoes? Here's a desperate father. His little girl's life is ticking away. And we compare this 12-year-old dying girl with this woman. And anybody who sees this woman with a chronic problem that has been going on for years will realize in comparison with this little girl with a severe and almost deadly problem, it's obvious, all right? The comparison is not even close because chronic and severe are two very different things. A chronic problem means this has been going on for a little while. It's a very sad thing. Yes, we all agree. But it has been going on for years. It definitely could wait for maybe another two to three more hours. This little girl, though, has a severe problem. She's about to die. Yet Jesus chooses to stop and talk with this woman with a chronic problem. And this makes no sense. It's almost illogical, right? In fact, it's worse than illogical. It's malpractice, right? If, right? Listen, any emergency room doctors who had a woman coming in with a chronic problem that could wait another couple of hours and a little girl coming in with a serious problem and she was about to die, if they treat the woman and the little girl dies, you know what happens, right? His name will be in mothership, right? The next day. That's what Jesus is doing. And Jairus and the disciples are saying to Jesus, don't you understand the situation? Hurry, Jesus, or it will be too late. But we can see from the scriptures, Jesus will not be rushed. And right now, what was happening with the woman with the issue of blood, she chose to touch Jesus. Whatever her reasoning was, this woman said to herself, this is my last chance 
This is my last resort. I've heard so many things about this miracle worker. He doesn't even need to stop. He doesn't even need to lay hands on me. He wouldn't even realize if I touch him, if I can just get close to him and touch his clothes. Maybe that would suffice. So she made her way through the crowd and even, the law, even though the law of God forbade her from touching anyone in her condition, she stretched forth her hand and touched Jesus. And when she did so, the bleeding instantly stopped and she knew she had been healed. But Jesus also knew something has happened. And I want you to imagine that in the multitude of people all pushing and rushing and touching Jesus, one lady touched Jesus and her touch was felt by him. I want to be that person whose touch is felt by the Father, amen, and whose touch warrants a question. So Jesus asked, who touched me? And he didn't ask the question for information, but to draw her out from the crowd. It could be phrased, who are you who touched my garment? Because right here, he's pursuing the sinner. And this woman came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told the whole truth. And this is remarkable because she was unclean. She was not supposed to even be in a crowd, much less touch this holy man. But when Jesus asked that question, she knew that she had to admit that she was risking being stoned, but she did it anyways. She revealed herself because the fear of the Lord was upon her. And you need to realize this, in the kingdom of God, miracles are not an end to themselves. They always lead to an encounter, to a meeting. And right here, Jesus is pursuing the sinner. So she comes falling at his feet, trembling, and she's met with compassion and not reproach. And you need to see this, all right? Because this woman is publicly declaring what happened. In verse 33, she told him the whole truth, told the whole story, the confession of her sickness, the confession of her faith, the confession of her fear, the confession of how the disease has crippled her, the confession of her need for mercy. In fact, the Gospel of Luke also recounted the same story, but it says she declared it in the presence of all the people. So everybody around her heard about the story. She's confessing him before men, and definitely she'll be confessed by the Son to his Father in heaven. Amen? And now we come in verse 34, and he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And this entire phrase is so significant and liberating. Even the little expressions go in peace. And Jesus here was talking about shalom. It was being in right covenantal relationship with him. And this entire exchange has the effect of establishing what a true encounter with Jesus is like. Jesus stopped and turned around and asked to meet her face to face. Because for years, the Jews have heard how Moses saw the power and glory of God, how he saw everything else, but he only saw the back of God. But right now, Jesus said, no, 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 no. I will converse with this daughter face to face. He won't just touch your body and your sickness, but he wants your heart. Do you realize that she would be quite happy to go home immediately after receiving her healing? She got what she wanted, right? She received her relief. And Jesus is not just in the business of giving us what we want, but what we truly need, amen? Jesus could have just smiled to himself when he sensed that power has gone out and someone was healed and said, wow, good, the job is done because I'm here to heal the sick. But he knew that he was also here to set the captives free. He could have just pressed on. Instead, he slows the pace down, he stops and he says, who touched me? Because what she wanted 
and what he wanted to provide were different. She wanted just a miracle, but Jesus wanted a face-to-face personal encounter. She wanted the answer to her problems, but he wanted to confront her with respect to her faith. And Jesus had an extended conversation with her. She has been already been physically healed, but unless he stops and deals with her right now, she will never understand true shalom. She will never understand true wholeness. And I want you to see this precious fact. Like in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. The word daughter he uses here, scholars tell us is the term of the most intimate endearment. You would never use it on someone you just met. By the way, this is the first and only person that Jesus ever refers to by that term in the whole Gospel of Mark. The woman everyone rejected has been called precious daughter by the ultimate king. The woman no one would ever touch is embraced by the Son of God. Do you see the contrast? Because Jairus is the dad who's pleading the cause for his daughter. This woman had no one else. So Jesus became her father. This woman had no one, so Jesus becomes her father. Sometimes we look at someone's breakthrough and miracle and we say, why didn't I get the exact same thing? This person go through this, this person go through this. Why didn't I get the same thing? Do you know why? Because God is not a vending machine. He's a personal God, amen? He becomes real to us because our brains can't comprehend how much more glorious are His plans for us. And I'd rather enter into God's best plans for me than me receiving the best plans I've conceived for myself. Amen? And when Jesus said, your faith has made you well, I just saw this about a few days ago because when I was, I knew I wanted to preach this. I read entire Gospel of Mark about 20, 30 times. Okay? And when I read this, um, one thing that stood up to me that the Greek word for make you well is sozo. It means being whole, body, spirit, soul, and mind. She didn't just receive physical healing, but even the spirit of rejection was gone. And Jesus said, your faith has sozoed you. And we come to verse 35. As Jesus is spending time talking with this woman, the thing that Jairus was afraid of happens. A messenger comes from his house and says, your daughter is dead. So the delay with the woman with the hemorrhage has allowed time for Jairus' daughter to die. The healing of one meant the death of the other. And you can imagine how Jairus felt towards Jesus at that moment. But Jesus, in verse 36, looks up at him and says, do not fear, only believe. Trust me on this right now. And we know the end of the story. And from a human perspective, all hope for the girl was lost. And we can reach that point, the point where we say to ourselves, why should I trouble God anymore? Everything I fear has happened. Why should I bother praying now? At such times, we must remember that we should never stop troubling the Lord. Amen? Because he is ne- it is never any trouble for Him to hear us cry out to Him. Amen? And it was as if Jesus was saying to him, Jairus, I know what they said. I know you are devastated, but do not give in to your terror. Just trust me, I'm in control. And we will jump to the end of the story. So Jesus took the father and the mother of the child and those close with him and entered where the child was lying. And he took the child by the hand. This is in verse 40. And just as Jesus was ritually defiled by the touch of the woman with the flow of blood, here he was defiled by touching a corpse. But again, Jesus saw that the need of one of God's people outweighed the ceremonial law at this moment. 
And then he said to her, Talita Kumi, which is translated, little girl or little lamb or little one, I say to you, arise. And she was resurrected. Sometimes God won't give us immediately what we are searching for or looking for, but we will never be shortchanged, amen. Jairus was looking for a cure, but Jesus responded with a resurrection. The lady was looking for a simple touch of healing, but Jesus responded with a revelation that she was a daughter of the Father and it was her faith that sozoed her. And you see, the disciples can't figure out why Jesus was stopping. Even Jairus can't figure it out. And, um, and one thing we learn here is that God's grace usually never operates on our timetable, amen? As a result, sometimes it frustrates us. Sometimes it makes us question the very grace, mercy, and the love of God. Um, but if only we knew, if only we see what He sees. And it can't be a coincidence that the little girl was 12 years old and the bleeding woman has been sick for 12 years. Can you imagine the day that the girl was born? That's when the woman's problem started. Can you imagine? Maybe they even live next to one another. We don't know. I'm just trying to imagine lah. But what Mark is showing us is that for 12 years that God has been writing a story that he was weaving into one beautiful climax that he brought together on this day. Amen? And one more thing, God will always reach us where we are. And read the account of Jairus and we can see that when he first approached Jesus, he approached him respectfully, not with pride. He falls at his feet, but from the front. And this woman, she sneaks up from behind, hoping to do more than merely touch his robe. Yes, Jesus, yes, Jairus is desperate. He has a kind of a bold persistence. He said, come with me. I need you right now. My daughter is at the point of death. And as we read the account of the woman, she strikes us as also desperate, but frightened and ashamed. Both of them seem to have different faith and approach Jesus differently. Yet at the end of the day, Jesus went down to her level and said, my daughter, and he's the God of grace, and he will meet you where you are. And I'm sure there are many people here today, probably you look at your cell leader or your shepherds, and you think of them as men and women of solid faith, um, solid, mature Christians, they look steady. And then you look at your own life, perhaps you're thinking, I, I'm so new to the faith, I have so much doubts, so many questions. Or probably you had a bad past, and you keep thinking, will he really listen to someone like me? But let's look at the scriptures. Look at the faith that Jesus commanded. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Go in shalom. And the faith that is commanded here in this double account is faith that is not only desperate but broken. It's not the faith of the strong. It's the faith of the weak. It's not the faith of the bold but the faith of the frightened. He came for the broken and the bruised and the guilty. Amen. I want to tell you that if a broken, disgraced, fearful woman in the first century has a faith commanded by Jesus, then all of us, we are welcome to draw near and trust Him, amen. Because my Bible says, a bruised reed, she will not break. Amen. A smoldering wick, she will not quench. He will graciously and lovingly blow it, blow it, blow it until He comes to life. That's the God we know and we serve, amen? And how many of us, we have been like Jairus and we said, I don't know what's happening and I thought breakthrough was coming and it seemed like it was going to happen, but it did not happen. Can I say this to you, that our God does not work according to our time frame, yet He's very much in control. 
And lastly, in verse 41, we see something beautiful. We see the nature of the king, the gentle, loving nature of the king, because he's not just interested in displaying his power, but in verse 41, he stooped down, and scripture says he took the little lamb by the hand and raised her up. Jesus could have just released his power at the door, right? Like, don't defile himself, lah. just stand at the door, release his power, and she will be raised up. But at that point of time, he knew what this family needed. He doesn't just perform his task, but he takes you by the hand and he raises you up. That's the God that we can trust, amen? And I just want to speak to some of you today. Perhaps some of you, you have chronic issues, whether it's sickness or long-standing situations for years, whether it's health or family. Can I say something to you that will never get used to your chronic issue? Keep pushing, keep praying. He's close to the brokenhearted. You know, the messengers, they came to Jairus after he received the news. He said, why trouble the teacher? Don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't bother him. Okay. Some of you, perhaps you've been hearing this. Don't bother, lah. don't bother. Don't bother. Lah. I mean, I've been praying for so long. Please listen to this. Keep pressing in. Do not get used to your chronic issues. Amen. Or perhaps you felt like you have been let down by the Lord. Sometimes what the Lord is doing makes no sense to you. Consider this, that God has the better vantage point. So do not let bitterness fester in your heart. And as you trust Him, as you humble yourself to look at Him, you say, Lord, I'm still struggling with questions, with doubts. I may not believe, I may believe, I don't know, but help me in my unbelief. You might look up and you might hear the voice of the Father saying, who touched me? Who touched me? And I just want to say one final thing for us as believers, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, to not just be recipients of the grace of God, but to allow for divine interruptions in your life. And many times we miss out on divine encounters which God has ordained for us for the day just because we wouldn't allow ourselves to be interrupted. I've been reading the Gospels again and again. I realised that Jesus always allowed himself to be interrupted. And in Mark 9, he could have just easily cast out of the boy. Yet he bothered to ask, how long has he been like this? You think the information uh, will help him, save him... <laughs> Faster, man. No, no, no. He bothered to ask the question because he wanted to restore in every area. He is not just a miracle worker. What's the song? Uh? Promise keeper. <laughs> but he's also a personal king, amen. He's also a personal king. And Jesus' mission was to save the world, but he always bothered to stop for one. Even if it's just to have a short conversation, he allowed himself to be interrupted many times because people mattered to him. It was not just a task to him. And we are all busy people, but let's open our eyes and our hearts to the brokenness of the world. Allow ourselves to touch someone, even if he or she was not part of your agenda for the day and be inclined to have your schedule interrupted. I want to invite the band to come to the front. I want to share one last personal story. I think I shared this about two to three years ago. Two years ago. Um, if you heard it, please bear with me. Um, before pre-COVID, there was one kingdom invasion. Uh, we were all serving um, at that point of time. And I was uh, one of the author team leaders and we always had to ensure that people would get prayed for by the healing team leaders, by the pastors, by the ministers. We will ensure that people are um, coming to the lines and everything. Okay? And at that point in time, everything was okay. Like the, the teams are solid, the healing teams and author teams are solid. So I decided to just take a rest, okay? I just, I wanted to be alone just to talk to God. I have something in my heart that I've been 
going on for very long, okay? And it's not a very huge issue, but it's been going on for years. So I was just like, God, I just want to surrender to you. I love you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for the healing that has been taking place. And at one point in time, I heard a commotion. And um, this family brought this uh, critically ill boy um, to the to the meeting, okay, and they managed to get permission and they got ambulance to come, the stretcher and they come, and then of course they wanted Heidi, right, Heidi will be there, so they brought the boy there, and then uh, the minders, wow, the powerful minders that we have <laughs> brought Heidi, like very quiet, quiet to the, to, the, uh, to the boy, and it's a serious case, okay, and I'm like, oh good, everything's handled, but I just wanted to talk to the Lord. So Heidi was moving, because that was a serious case, right, that was a very serious case, but she stopped, she came to me, walked to me and she just by the power of God by the wisdom of God gave me a word of knowledge and a word for my case for my situation that was not serious that has been going on for years that's not even about a physical ailment but it's something I've been contending or contending for for my family and she just hugged me and loved me and that point of time I had a greater revelation of the love of the Father serious cases of course it's important. But chronic cases too. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small for him. And she just ministered to me and she went off. That's the God we love. Amen. He's all powerful, all sovereign, but he's so personal. Can we rise to our feet right now? One last thing I want to say that his compassion you read from the Gospels is always connected with his power. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a huge crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew chapter 14, he was moved with compassion. Mark 1, 41, he was moved with compassion. Mark 8, 2, I have compassion on the multitude. Matthew 9, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. His power is always connected with his compassion. And this morning, even as we were preparing for the service, I felt the compassion and the mercies of God. And I just want to, uh, we're going to worship very soon, but I want to give a call. Last night, the, the altars were filled with people whether they had chronic issues or serious issues, whether it's relationships, whether it's just turmoil. Some even went down because like the woman, they had the spirit of rejection. But I just want to say to you that God wants to encounter you right now. And some of you, perhaps, you've been entertaining the lies of the enemy. Say, do not trouble God anymore. Do not trouble. You have, there are more serious cases. I want to say this to you, that God wants to encounter you today. So do not get used to your chronic issues. Do not get used to your pain. Do not accept it. But in all things, if you can just say, I want to step up from my chair. I just want to touch Jesus. He will meet with you today. So I want to open the altars, even as we worship. The healing team members are here. The pastors of here are here. We will minister to you. But I want you just to keep your eyes on Jesus. He's close to the brokenhearted. 
A bruised reed, he will not break. A smouldering wick, he will not quench. Debts to God we love, we serve, and we worship. listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.